Welcome to the Rock Christian Church Podcast. Today's message is God Receivers by Pastor Sean Wood. If you'd like to meet me in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2 this morning, I want to talk to you uh, about uh, a man that we will find in in Luke chapter 2. Christmas time is a very merry and a joyous time. It's a great time to be catching up with family. It's a great time to be uh, having time off and having some holidays. But uh, there are times when, for me personally, I think Christmas can be confusing because I'm confused when well, everybody is having time off, everybody is buying presents, but most people that are doing so don't even believe that Jesus exists, which I find to be interesting. My, my point to that is, if you don't believe in Jesus, if Jesus is a myth or if Jesus is simply another man, then go to work on Wednesday. Why are you celebrating something if you don't believe in it? He is the man that divides time. He is the God-man. He is alive. And all of us, uh, you know, you go to the supermarkets, the traffic's increased here at Capalaba, you want to go from here to Bunnings on a Friday afternoon to pack up the barbecue. It usually takes you 10 minutes. It now takes you 40 because the traffic's increased. Everyone's in a panic. Everyone's trying to get ready. People are thinking, what meals will we have? What food will we have? We're all trying to be prepared for Christmas Day. But it's interesting because when we wind the clock back 2,000 years to when Jesus did come, nobody apart from a handful of people were prepared for Jesus. Nobody. And they should have been. You see, 800 years before Jesus was born, a prophet by the name of Isaiah stood up and began to declare that something was coming, that God was doing something new. Jeremiah picks up the prophecies and the person of Jesus accurately fulfills 44 of those prophecies. Born of a virgin, born in Bethlehem, riding on a donkey, All of those, 44, the mathematical odds for that are actually impossible. But the person of Jesus Christ fulfills those prophecies. We have a religious people in the time of Jesus that had studied the prophecies, had had worked out their interpretations, and they, they knew the times, they knew the places according to them. But when Jesus comes, nobody's ready. The message for Christmas is this. The message is that history is doomed to repeat itself if we don't learn from it. Why? Because Jesus has said, I will return. And I have a question for everybody in this room. Are you ready? What if, what if Jesus parts the clouds today? For 2,000 years, Jesus has said, I will return. I am coming back. He tells us what we've got to do in the meantime. We're going to have a look at that today, but there is no mistake. You see, the book of Revelation, we can put our gloves on and fight about the details later, but if there is, if there is three things that you can draw from the book of Revelation, it is this. Firstly, it's the revelation of Jesus Christ. It's not the revelation of anything or anybody else. It is the revelation or the unveiling of this man that walked the earth and how glorious he is. That's what the book of Revelation is. The word apocalypse means to reveal. It doesn't mean some big battle in some unknown place. That's what the apocalypse means. 
It's a revelation of the person of Jesus. Number two, we see beginning in chapter four of Revelation, we see that from then on, there is an enormously close link between what happens here on earth and heaven. John begins to see that God speaks in the heavens and things begin to happen on the earth. Everything that happens is heaven is interwoven. He sees doors opened. But here's the big one. And uh, three years ago, I was asked to apply for credentials to be a minister. And you have to answer questions about what it means to be saved, uh, the operation of the wonderful Holy Spirit, the wonderful gentleman that he is in the church. And the last one was, please tell us your thoughts on eschatology and on the return of Christ. And I put down one sentence, Jesus is coming back. What else do you need to know? The details he can work out. He did last time and he will again. We will touch on the book of Revelations before we're finished today. But Jesus said, behold, I am coming soon and I have my recompense in my hand. And whether you see him with your physical eyes part the clouds or whether you stand before him by natural means, you will stand before him. Mother Teresa will stand before Christ and give an account of her life. Billy Graham will stand before Christ and give an account of his life. The question is today, are you prepared? Or will he catch you unprepared? In the first century when Jesus came, many people were unprepared, but one man was prepared. Chapter 2 of Luke, and if we pick it up in verse 25... We read, now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And Simeon uh, means, and in the first century, today we just name our kids, you know, we just, a name that's catchy or, or maybe it's trendy or, or maybe, you know, names like Joshua and, uh, and all those sorts of things. We just, Terry, you know, we just name our children. But back in the first century, every name had a meaning. You, you would call your children something. By the way, Sean means God's gift. There was no amens. What's the go with that? Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Yes, uh, you can come back next week, Josh. And I'll. Can I fix you up later? Is it all right? But Simeon means God receiver. What an interesting name to name this man. He, we find Simeon in the temple. We find him amongst every one of the other religious leaders of the day. In that temple, uh, that temple housed Caiaphas, the high priest. Interesting, uh, interesting guy, Caiaphas. But it housed all the other priests. But Simeon was different. And I believe that there is a call of God upon his church to begin with for us to be people who are different whose lives are orientated differently, whose priorities are different. Hello. (laughs) Simeon is a God receiver. Let's have a listen to some of the attributes of Simeon. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout. We're beginning to see what this looks like. Here's a man that's, that's waiting for Jesus. We will read that it has been revealed to him that he will not pass away until he sees God's salvation. And of course, that is the person and the baby of Jesus. But to be righteous means uh, also can be translated just. So we understand a righteousness that we read about through the work of Christ in in the book of Romans. But this righteous speaks about his acts and his motivations. He was a just man and his ways 
were just. But the interesting word that they use to describe Simeon is the word devout. The word devout means to be cautious. It's cautious in the way that we behave. It is cautious in the way that we speak. But uh, it speaks about living our lives with the constant awareness of the divine presence of God. Now, uh, some people here are aware that I used to work at uh, the Country Club Casino in Tasmania. We had 500 employees at the Country Club Casino. And it was interesting. They had 500 employees and about 4,000 cameras in the place. But they actually, by legislation, had to have and uphold a level of security. They had to maintain a close watch on the gambling tables. They had to maintain a close watch on the poker machines. But every staff member was told when they start, every step you take in this place, they can get you on camera. That was wrong. There were places, we found where they were, but there were places where there was no cameras. Where I worked in the storeroom, they had three cameras, two on the doors from the outside, one from the inside, but the one place they couldn't see was the cool room, which is where all the alcohol was, which is interesting, right? But, but in the cool room, uh, when there wasn't much to do, we would go and sit in there and we would sit around and we would talk and all these sorts of things, but uh, we didn't do that out where they could see us because everybody was watching. Isn't it interesting how when we know somebody is watching us, it changes your behaviour. How many people, when you're barrelling down the road, a boundary road heading towards Vicky Point, there's like 50 cars barrelling down, all of them are doing 100Ks. And there's this suspicious van sitting on the horizon and (laughs) boom, everybody puts the brakes on. Except for me. <laughs> Which is why I got a tick. No, I didn't get a tick. Isn't it interesting how, and, and that's what devout is. Devout says, you know what, I know God can see what I am doing. Devout says, I know God can, he can hear every word that I say. He perceives every thought and he knows the motivations and the intentions of my heart. And although people may not see everything I do, I know that God sees it and it alters how you conduct your life. That's devout. Here's a man that's waiting. What do you do while you are waiting? We'll expose what that word waiting means in a moment. You live a life that is righteous and devout. Fully aware of the presence of God. If, we, if that really sunk in, I think Reinhard Bonnke, has anybody ever heard of Reinhard Bonnke? Yeah, who hasn't heard of Reinhard Bonnke, right? Most of Africa, uh, Africa is in uh, an enormous revival, but a lot of it was through his work. And Reinhard Bonnke speaks a message on, lo, I am with you always. And he says, if we really got a revelation of that verse, it would change our lives. If we really understood what it meant, that God never goes in, it doesn't matter how you feel, God is here. It would change how we behave. Living a life that is, that is devout looks like, I've used the analogy of the rare vase before, but if I asked Josh to, to take an old earthen pot outside and put it somewhere, I'd, I'd probably just pick up the pot and I'd chuck it to Josh and I'd say, you know, just go and put it outside. Josh would just take it out, throw it on the ground. And the reason that Josh would do that is he places very little value on the pot. It's just an old earthen pot. If I drop it and I break it, it doesn't matter. But if I said to Josh, I need you to pick up that rare vase there, and you need to be really careful, Josh, because that vase is from some rare Ming dynasty in China. There's actually no value in monetary terms we can put on that. Who knows that Josh would 
pick that up very carefully and very carefully. Every step would be very careful. And the difference between the earthen pot and the vase in the conduct is how much value we place on the vase. And what we see in a devout life is a life that's fully aware of the value that God has and it changes how we live. Simeon is a a righteous and a devout man and he is waiting for the consolation of Israel. And we'll, we'll talk about the consolation of Israel in a minute, but waiting, the best way to sum up waiting is waiting on God is abandoning our efforts and striving and it's focusing our expectation and reliance on God. Spoken by one of the wisest preachers I've ever met. <clears throat> I shouldn't say that because new people here will go, who is that guy? I don't even know who he is. But he was waiting. And you know, we have a misconception of what waiting looks like. How many of us really like waiting? This time of year, you've got to wait longer in the supermarket lines. You might be waiting longer at the doctors. Uh, who likes, you know, I always ring. I ring up the doctor and say, look, I need to come, but how long's the waiting line? Oh, probably half an hour to an hour. Okay, see you in four months. I'm not coming. So uh, who likes waiting? But we've had a misconception. You see, we think waiting is passive, <laughs> but it's not. The biblical term for waiting is not passive at all. In the Old Testament where it says, those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall rise up with wings as eagles. But to wait upon the Lord is not to sit around and just wait for God to do everything. Waiting is actually a verb where we shift, we cease all of our efforts and we shift all of our reliance and say, God, I know you've got this. And it's in that place that God can actually move supernaturally in our lives. There is something very supernatural about waiting for God. I, uh, back in Lagana, we have a, a dear friend, Stephen Hill, who does a, quite a lot of fly fishing. And one year he said, you know, I'm going to go to New Zealand. And he thought, in his wisdom, he thought, I'll go to New Zealand, I'll do the research, and I don't need a guide. And him and a mate go over, and they head off in the morning fishing, and they have a great day fishing. And then coming back, they've been walking for far longer than it was when they left. And, you know, they said, I think we might be lost. They don't know the area, they're in the middle of nowhere, they don't know how to get back. And who knows that from a bird's eye view, when you look at somebody who's lost, when they decide to go each and every direction to try and find out where they are, who knows that they end up more lost. The more effort they put in, the more, the more they strive, the more lost they are. But Steve did something very wise and it actually exhibits what waiting looks like. He said to his mate, he said, you know, we've got to sit down and ring. So they ring the emergency services and says, look, ping my phone, we're lost. And they say, don't move. <laughs> Please don't move because they're not going to chase you, but... They said, don't move. And he said, you know, a couple of hours later, these guys walked in and he said, we were like 300 metres from the car. <laughs> you know, you can be right next door to Jesus and still be very lost. But that's what waiting looks like. It says, you know what? My efforts are only making this worse. Waiting is expectation. That's what waiting is. In the Greek, another way to say waiting is expectation. You put all of your expectation upon him. And Simeon is waiting for something. We're all waiting for something as well. But Simeon was waiting for the consolation of Israel. And to console somebody is to comfort them. It's comfort received by a person after loss or disappointment. And the comfort was coming to Israel. So many people today are looking for comfort. 
And so many people today don't have it because comfort is being able to be in a place where you have complete peace, complete contentment. Uh, a story from another good friend from Lagana. He said, you know, he said, we had this guy come to church from Queensland. So he was a weird guy from Queensland that went to Tasmania. But he said, you know, this guy, before he left, his mum, who's an avid churchgoer, says, you know, he says, she says, I've been praying for you and I really believe you're going to hear uh, a message while you're in Tasmania. And he didn't think anything of it. Yeah, okay, mum, you've just been spooky again. Gets on a plane, gets down there and he's hitchhiking around Tasmania. He's had a breakdown in his marriage and he jumps into a van with a, with a hippie guy. You know, there's plenty of those in Tasmania. But uh, he jumps into a van, they're driving around, they're having a conversation and this guy turns to him and asks him a question that he couldn't answer. He says, what do you do for your peace? This guy wasn't a Christian, by the way. But he says, what do you do for your peace? He picks the phone up. He said, I was speechless. He said, if there was one thing that was missing from my life, the testimony was that when he walked into Lagana was, if there's one thing missing from my life, it's peace. He said, I realised that the question mum was talking about was the question that guy asked me. And he walked through the doors of Lagana and said, I, I'm looking for peace. And Israel was looking for some comfort as well. And he was waiting. So what did Simeon do in the meantime? He cast all of his reliance and trust on Christ. And the last one, he was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was upon him. Something different about Simeon and one of the things, the major things that was different about Simeon is the Holy Spirit was on him. I'm going to touch on what Jesus said for us in a moment and how all of this applies to us. But we need to understand that in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit never resided upon anybody. He would, you hear, you hear terms, like, particularly with Samson, the Holy Spirit rushed upon him, or in the Hebrew, it could be jumped upon him. And the Holy Spirit would come on for a, for a period of time, and everybody said, you know, Samson was different, his strength was different. Everyone thinks Samson's this big guy with muscles. That's not how it was. He's the kind of guy that you would look at and go, what? That guy can slay all these guys with a jawbone, but the Holy Spirit was upon him for a certain period of time. And we've, the Holy Spirit for us, Jesus has prayed, he says, I'll pray to the Father that the Holy Spirit, to live inside of us, to dwell where, inside of our hearts. It's an amazing, profound truth. And the Holy Spirit's not a force. The Holy Spirit's not a system. The Holy Spirit is the perfect gentleman. A.W. Tozer says that God can be, can be cultivated just like every other person. We can get to know him. And the Holy Spirit wants to dwell upon each one of us because that is the difference analogy. But <clears throat> depending on who you're in the presence with will depend on your behaviour. I know sometimes people go, no, I act the same no matter where I am. But I, I, I used to have people in the forestry tell me that. You know, I act the same wherever I am, but they were in and out of court a lot. But whenever they went to court, these guys were wearing suits. And there was a reason for that. If you were asked to go to high tea with the Queen, you would act differently. You would behave differently because of who you're in the presence of. I can remember some years ago... Family members of, of mine that, you know, just being in their presence, they were, they were downright disrespectful. They, were, they always, they never had anything kind to say. Other people were always like, you know, what's wrong with them? The, you know, the way they, and I, we're all about love and forgiveness and that's absolutely right. I, I love my family and I hold nothing against them. But there came a point in time when I said, you know what? If you're going to treat me that way, I'm no longer going to grace you with my presence. 
And there may even be people in this room that need to hear that this morning. People need to respect you. And there was a point where I said, you know what, if you're going to continue to wipe your feet on me and use me as a doormat, then you can find somebody else. And the truth and the sobering truth is the Holy Spirit would say the same to many of us. If I'm just a commodity for you, if I'm just something you can use, maybe his presence doesn't stay and doesn't linger for that reason. I want to challenge everybody this morning as we read through and look at the life of Simeon to be just as Simeon was and to be God receivers. Revelations 22 verse 12 says, Behold, I'm coming soon, bringing my recompense with me. Recompense is reward. Bringing my reward with me to repay everyone for what he has done. To be God receivers means that we need to change our lives and be prepared for the fact that we will stand before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And for Simeon, we've had a look at what that looks like, and I want to have a look at what it looks like for us. But in Luke chapter 12, you can read this for yourself, starting in verse 35. Jesus had some words for his disciples. And what we find when we read through the Gospels is that the one encouragement, the one, the one thing that Jesus wanted his disciples to get above everything else, you would think it would be pray more. You, you think it would be uh, you need to do this more, pay more into the treasury, do this more, uh, look after the widows more. That's not what Jesus said. The number one thing that we see at the top of the list, Jesus asked his disciples to watch, to pray and to be ready. And it sounds like this in Luke chapter, sorry, in Luke chapter 12 verse 35 onwards it says, stay dressed for action or gird, keep your loins girded. There's a fisherman in Tasmania that are so dedicated they sleep in their waders. They go to bed in their waders, do they not, Reuben? They, uh, they go to bed in their waders and the reason for all of that is I don't have to waste time in the morning getting dressed before I can go fishing. They literally, the alarm goes off, the dunas on, boots on, out the door and off they go. But that's what this means. Be dressed for action. Be ready. Why? Because you don't know when Jesus... Nobody in this room is guaranteed to wake up tomorrow morning. Nobody. You could be in the presence of Jesus far sooner than you think. And Jesus has an encouragement for everybody. Be ready. Stay dressed for action. But here's the big one. And there's a parable in Matthew 25 that is all around this particular one. Keep your lamps burning. And in the first century, to keep your lamps burning didn't require bigger candles, didn't require electricity. It required an enormous bowl of oil. It had to be filled up and the oil represents the Holy Spirit. And Jesus says, you stay dressed and ready for action and make sure you are full of the Holy Spirit. Stay dressed for action. Keep your lamps burning. Be like men waiting for their master. You're on the lookout. And here's the big one that I want to finish with today. Jesus uses a word that I think applies outside of these walls but it applies inside as well. It's the word awake. We live in a sleeping culture today, friends. I go to the supermarket with people who are asleep. I I go to the gym with people who are asleep. 
People need to wake up and to be awakened. And my prayer is that Christmas time, I pray, use this time, O oh God, to open people's eyes. But the word awake applies inside these walls as well because there are people that are filling church pews that are just as asleep as everybody else. Everybody's fallen asleep, nodded off. Two thousand years ago, Jesus occupied the hands of Simeon, and today Jesus desires to occupy our hearts. Simeon was waiting for the Messiah, and in the meantime, he lived a righteous and devout life. I'm going to ask the worship team if they can come up so we can finish with a song this morning and. My prayer is that Christmas would wake us up. And that we would become dressed for action and keep our lamps burning. Father, I pray for every person here this morning. Thanks for listening to the Rock Christian Church Podcast. To be notified when the next episode is available, subscribe on our website at therock.org.au. You can also connect with us on Facebook at The Rock Christian Church. We hope you have been blessed today and we look forward to you joining us for our next episode.